lots of information there, lots of prayer requests, lots of things to be uh, keeping up with. Although we are not meeting in person, there are still a lot of things that you can do to be involved in. You can also uh, go to our Facebook page. Um, the Facebook page will also have prayer requests that you can uh, type in on the comments there. If you, uh, there will be updates as well of uh, things that are going on uh, if you would like to get involved with some of those things as well. So check our Facebook page and our website and you'll be able to know a little more of what's going on. You can also get updates uh, from LJC Update. If you text that to 979-297-3300, uh, you'll get updates with um, our weekly announcements as well as the, the link to this week's service. Our mission emphasis for the month of July is Impact Houston, Church of Christ, and the, uh, the many things that they do there uh, is just amazing. The re outreach that they have is just beyond what we can uh, imagine, uh, and so we need to be praying for them and all the missions that they're doing in the Houston area. On Thursday, uh, July 23rd, uh, the youth group will be meeting here at the church building at 5.15 to be headed to Bay City for a youth gathering with the Bay City, Lake Jackson, and El Campo youth groups. I want to encourage those who are planning on going, check your temperatures, check the uh, things that we as a youth group have been sending out that you'll know um, whether you are able to come or not. We will also screen check your temperature uh, before you get in the van you must wear your masks as you're in the van as well. As we prepare our minds for worship, as we prepare our minds for what the, the Lord is going to be doing over the next hour or so, I want to read from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's take our time to worship the Lord. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah, from the heavens praise his name, praise Jehovah in the highest, all his angels praise proclaim, all his souls together praise him, sun and moon and stars on high, praise him, O ye Hey. 
Good morning, church. I bring you greetings from the Lewis household, especially to you, Miss Betty. We've been doing our best to stay healthy and to protect those we've been coming in contact. I hope this Lord's Day finds you with the same purpose in your hearts. We're experiencing troubling times. We're facing a pandemic, along with the increasingly apparent manifestation of a systemic proliferation of racial inequality. I take my inspiration from the Friday morning comic strips. One of the characters in Mutz quotes Jane Goodall. Only if we understand will we care. Only if we care will we help. Only if we help shall all be saved. As you join me in prayer this morning, I beseech you as true Christians to seek to understand to care for all people, and to help with the struggle for health, equality, and justice for all. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the opportunity to lift up our words to you. Father, we know that you are a gracious and a loving Father, and that you have forgiven us many times over. We ask this morning, Father, that you give us hearts of inspiration, hearts of loving, hearts of concern. Help us, Father, to do what is in our power to make sure that all are treated fairly, equally, and that we care for each other. Father, we know that within the church this morning there are those who are struggling with their health, others who may be struggling with the effects of the pandemic, whether they be medical or even financial. Father, we ask that you give us the wisdom and the courage to do what we can to help each other through these troubled times. Father, bless us as we struggle to do your work. We know that it should not be a burden that you will give us the, the ability to do what we need to do to make sure that your word is spread throughout the land. Father, we ask that you continue to watch over us, protect us, guide us, and correct us when we are wrong. For, Father, we know that we are imperfect. Father, we ask all your blessings on this church, on each and every individual in the congregation, and on our community, and Father, most of all, on the struggling world. Thank you, Father, for everything, but most of all, Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, so that we may know the hope of eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, power, and praise, majesty. 
kids. It's good to see you again. Welcome to our kitchen. Most of you have met Sharon and many of you have met Catherine and you've at least heard about LJ, Landry Joe, uh, Drew and Catherine's oldest child. And what are we playing with? What is this? It's Play-Doh. That's right. And what's our favorite thing about Play-Doh is that we can squish it. What has Mimi made here? Butterfly, that's exactly right. And this is orange. And this is, what color is this? Green. Green, that's right. Can we take it out? Jojo. No? Okay. Jojo. Jojo. Jojo's going to take it out. Okay. But our favorite thing about Play-Doh is it's kind of like clay. Jojo. You want, you want to play with it? Can you squish it? Can you squish it like that? It'll make whatever we want to make with it. Now, Play-Doh's not like real clay. It can dry out, but it doesn't really become as hard as clay does when you let it dry out, and particularly when you fire it. But it does let you make whatever you want to make, like a big smile or something like that. Having fun? God often talks about the way that our hearts need to be soft and moldable. He wants our hearts to be soft and moldable like clay. In Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, chapter 7, it says this, But they refused to pay attention stubbornly. Bad word in the Bible when God says we're being stubborn. Stubbornly, they turned their backs. And listen to the way it says they stopped up their ears. They, they wanted to not hear God so much that they stuck stuff in their ears so that they couldn't hear. They stopped up their ears, and then he says it this way, kind of summarizes it this way. And they made their hearts as hard as, and he talks about a particular kind of rock, as hard as flint. One of the reasons he talks about flint is because flint is very difficult to cut and make into stone from a, a larger rock. It, it breaks off in pieces. It, it shaves off. It won't be really, in reality, basically almost won't be molded. You make your hearts as hard as flint. 
and you won't listen to the Lord. So Plato's fun. Clay is a lot of fun also. Uh, but clay, of course, lets you mold it. But when you let it dry out, when you fire it, it becomes something like this. It's hard. And the only way that you're going to shape this into something different than this is by breaking it. It has become so hard that it's no longer flexible, it, it will break. This is a rock that a long time ago on the earth would have been, uh, at least at some level, pliable. But the earth has formed it, pressure, temperature, and all those things into a very hard rock. Bricks are actually made of stuff like clay. They're, again, pliable. They're shaped into these certain forms. But uh, again, if you want to make them be any other kind of shape, you're likely going to have to break them just like that. It's an amazing process. The difference between how clay is pliable and lets it be molded into whatever the potter or the person who's working with it wants it to be, and when it becomes hard or a rock. God often used this illustration, the difference between clay and rocks. He said, I want your heart to be like clay. I want it to be where I can mold it. Instead, your hearts are hard. They're like rock. And the only thing that can happen if I want to shape them into something else is that they're going to have to break. Clay, on the other hand, is submissive. It lets God do whatever he wants with our hearts and our lives. It's my prayer that as you continue to grow up, that you will be the kind of, of kids, and then you'll grow into the kind of young people, and then you'll grow into the kind of adults and moms and dads, who even though you don't get older, you choose not to become hard like a rock. You stay soft and pliable like that clay. And let God do all the wonderful things that he wants to do with you and your life. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from every fear. Those who look on him are radiant, they'll never be ashamed, they'll never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard me, and saved me from.
Our scripture reading this morning will be coming from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. This is God's word. He renewed the call that had been heard for over 200 years. A call that said the day of the Lord was coming. It was a call of judgment. But it was also a call of understanding that God was going to make things right. He made a call of judgment not only to the Israelites, to Judah and to Jerusalem, but he made a call of, direct, of judgment on the whole world. Zephaniah, yes, you'll, you'll need to be sure you find him back there in the back of your Old Testament among the 12, uh, what's called the 12, the minor prophets. Zephaniah has a unique message for us, and I hope that you'll be blessed by it. Again, he brings forth ancient warnings and sometimes we equate these kind of messages of warning with our own days and circumstances and, and we should do that. We're called to do that. There's no reason we can't do that. God says I'm still working in the world and we're called to say whenever he kind of gets our attention again to say Lord what are you trying to say to us? How can we hear you better? How can our lives be more conformed to who you are? So in reality, any time calamity comes around us, and again, this pandemic is that kind of calamity. Our lives have been changed in radical kinds of ways. We no longer get to do things that have just kind of been part of who we, what we've always done and who we've always been. And sometimes we begin to question whether it'll ever stop or is this kind of the day of the Lord? This is the end of things to come. But we also have to ask, how does one who loves God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength respond to any kind of crisis or calamity? Zephaniah was a prophet that spoke during the early days of King Josiah. Back on Mother's Day, we looked at the life of Josiah and how his mother and some other women that surrounded him had a great influence on him to not go the way of his father and grandfather, the kings who had been so evil, but instead to, to point them towards following God. It seems to be one of the highlight moments in the very end of Judah's uh, life before they were taken into exile by Babylonia. Zephaniah has, is, is apparently 
the child of the king Hezekiah who was ruling and we read about in Isaiah as, as well as in 2 Kings who was the king over Jerusalem when the Assyrians surrounded the city and began to attack and besiege the city and he called on the name of the Lord in great humility and said what, what can we do and God came in that great day of salvation to redeem them and bring them and save them from the Assyrian invasion. Let's read from Zephaniah chapter 1. I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, announces the Lord. Again, that day of the Lord language that's very much, very, gets the idea that what God has created will be deconstructed. And then he goes into some details. I will destroy people and animals alike. Think about day six and day, day six of creation. And then step into day five of creation. And the fish of the waters and the birds of the air I will wipe out. I will destroy sinful people along with their gods, and I will wipe man off the face of the earth, announces the Lord. Very common in this language of the day of the Lord to kind of envision it as cataclysmic changes. God has promised that he won't destroy the whole earth until he comes back and, and makes it all things new. But the writers of the Old Testament recognized the, the way God moved and, and, and they wanted to convey the seriousness and the, the, the breadth of what God was going to bring by talking about the destruction of all things. I will reach out my powerful hand against Judah. I will punish those who live in Jerusalem. I will cut off from that place what is left of Baal worship. The officials and priests who serve other gods will be removed. I will wipe out those who bow down on their roofs to worship all the stars. I will destroy those who take oaths. Hear this language. Not only in my name, but also in the name of Molech, that detestable god where babies were placed on a, on a hot metal statue and would roll down into the fire as a sacrifice to Molech. And again, the idea that we're going to mix this pure worship of God with things so detestable like worship of Molech or worship of Baal. I will cut off those who stop following me. They will no longer look to me or ask, for, ask me for advice. Be silent in front of me. Again, I have that call. Be silent in front of me. I am the Lord and King. The day of the Lord is near. Sometimes we take comfort in the idea that the day of the Lord is coming against idolatry and we somehow want to distance ourselves from that. But I think when we look closely and we're honest with ourselves, there are times when we, we kind of try to put, we, we would never say we put anything above God, but we say we, we want to have this with God in our lives. Something that the world offers, the comforts of materialism, the ideas that we can be selfish about some things and it will be okay with God. And what often happens, in fact, I would say it happens all the time, is that our, what happens is, is those things that we try to put there with God become things that are greater than God. And so they become idols. And so we too become the idolaters that Zephaniah and the biblical prophets speak against. But it doesn't stop there. As is always the case, whether the Old Testament or the New Testament, if our thinking about God, our ideas about God, our theology is wrong, then our living will also go astray from what God calls us to and the kind of ethics that God has for those of us who love Him. And in reality, the, the, the morality that best blesses the created beings, those that He created.
And so let's see what Zephaniah has to say as we continue in chapter 1. When my sacrifice is ready to be offered, I will punish the princes and the king's sons. I will also judge all those who follow the practices of other nations. Cut out, you who live, cry out, you who live in the marketplaces. So now we've come to this place where business is going on. And Jerusalem was a, a very profitable business place. Things came from east and west and they could be traded there. And people had figured out how to leverage that to, to become quite wealthy. All of your merchants will be wiped out. Those who trade in silver will be destroyed. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps. Again, uh, kind of like the detective or the policeman who turns on the flashlight to search a room. God is going to light lamps to look in all the corners. I will punish those who are so. And again, it isn't the idea that being a merchant somehow is sinful by itself. It's that we become contented in our, our worldly things, in our wealth, we become contented in the idea that my, my wealth is enough. The fact that I am, am safe and I can trust in my wealth. It is those who are contented with what they can produce rather than contented with God that Zephaniah is speaking against. They are like wine that has not been shaken up. They think, and here's the big thing, Again, we put things beside God, and then suddenly they become greater than God. They think the Lord won't do anything. It doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. And then he closes out this section. Their wealth will be stolen. Their houses will be destroyed. And kind of the opposite of what Jeremiah said to those who had been taken into exile in Babylon, Zephaniah says, you're going to build houses. You're going to invest in the future, but you're not going to live in them. You're going to plant vineyards. Also, again, a big investment in long-term future, but they not drink the wine that they produce. Jeremiah will tell the people who've been taken into exile, be sure you build houses, be sure you plant vineyards, because you're going to be there a while. This is not going to turn around immediately. So again, it's not just that God, it, the day of the Lord is coming against those who are idolaters, but the day of the Lord is coming against those who ignore God those who put things above God, but more than that, those who say there is no right or wrong, or at least God can't do anything about the right and wrong. God isn't caring whether I participate in the brokenness of the world and breaking people who can't defend themselves, can't stand up for themselves. He will then, in chapter 2, set not just... His judgment's not just coming on Jerusalem. In chapter 2, he, he points that judgment in the four poor points of the compass. He will talk about Philistia to the west. He will talk about Ammon and Moab to the east. He will talk about Cush to the south. And then he will talk about Assyria to the north. Assyria who had surrounded and was besieging the city under his great-great-grandfather Hezekiah and who God redeemed them from. But Make no mistakes, at this moment, they are still the ones who are kind of representative of that great abuse of power. And to be sure we get the idea of what it is that the, the nations would be judged for, Assyria is quoted as saying, I am and there is none beside me. I am stronger than any God. I am the great God. And again, this is the language that we should kind of hear echoed in when God speaks to Moses in the burning bush and describes himself as the I am. And now the citizens of Nineveh, Assyria, steps up and said, no, I am the I am. 
I am the ultimate sense of source and power. There's none besides me. But that's not the end of the story. Judgment, in the, in the, whenever the prophets talk about the day of the Lord, judgment is not the end of the story. Instead, it will always be a call to those who wish to be faithful. I will leave within you the meek and humble who trust in the name of the Lord. Zephaniah concludes with this idea that, that while there may be a, maybe even a majority in all these people that want to invest in things that are contrary to God, I know that there are people who still seek the Lord. I know that there are people who are still meek and humble, who still want to be clay in the hands of God rather than hardening themselves like a rock or like flint that the passage earlier referred to. We want to be what God wants us to be. We don't want to make God what we want him to be. We want God to make us into what he wants us to be. This is always the call to those who trust God and follow Jesus in times of crisis. When things go wrong around us, he always wants us to stop and say, what message am I to get from this? And it doesn't necessarily have to be that everything we're doing is wrong. Instead, it is, I'm calling you to listen to me one more time. I'm calling you to pay attention. I'm calling you to step back and, and again, not say, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it all right. I'm okay. I, I don't have any problems. He calls us to be people who say, God, what do you want me to change? How do you want me to be molded? How can I be molded by you? It's a bit like Samuel who when he finally figured out that it's not Eli called him in the middle of the night, but God who says, Speak, Lord, for I'm listening. I'm attentive to you. I want to conform myself to you. I want to be your person. And so it is that great passage from the book of Zephaniah. The Lord your God will rejoice over you with singing. That response to our humble submission that he would rejoice in singing and dancing over us. I love that song that Hoss used to lead. There's nowhere else that I'd rather be than dancing with you as you sing over me. Beautiful sentiment. And a beautiful picture of God's great love for us. But notice how it contrasts with what we talked from the royal court that Nehemiah served in probably a hundred years later. But in reality it would be the, the case in any royal court in the ancient Near East. That when you came into the presence of the king, you were to look as if everything was wonderful. Your life was together. There were no problems. You, you didn't have any sadness or brokenness. Instead, you were, you were all together because everything you needed came from that king. Instead, God says, I love you even more when you come to me and say, I'm sorry. I love you even more when you come to me and say, I need to repent. I need to confess. As the passage from 1 John, which we read before the sermon says. When we say we're not sinning, that's what God can't, can't redeem. When we say that there's nothing that I'm doing that could be counted as sin, then we, we really push God away. Instead, God says, come to me in that humbleness. Come to me in that meekness. Come to me in that humility that says, I need you, God. I can't do it myself. And he rejoices over that if we want to call it weakness, we can. But in reality, it is the great strength that says, I'm going to always acknowledge that I need God above all other things, and I can't do it without Him. I need the gracious, steadfast, overwhelming, 
love of God. And it flows in our lives, not when we present ourselves as the, the world would try to convince us. To, I've got it all together. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Don't you want to love me, God? Instead, the text tells us, and Zephaniah really brings this message home, it is when we come in humble submission, again, as clay to be molded by his wonderful potter's hands, and say, I need you, and I want you to shape me, that that love rejoices and dances and sings over us. And so it is that the, the Lord's Supper becomes part of that process. We come to the Supper not with all our stuff together, but we come to the su Supper with the idea of, I need you, God. I'm incomplete without the, the body and blood of Jesus. I'm incomplete unless you're in me and I am part of you. And we, we recognize that, that this is a, a, a reflection on great suffering that was given at our, at our, for our benefit. But at the same time, we recognize that as he invites us to this meal and we come approach it with not a, a sense of, I've got everything together, but we approach it with a sense of, I need you, God. God then rejoices in this great celebration of his supper, which we do here and now today and every week, but is a, a little taste of what eternity, the great banquet that's prepared for us in eternity. All things have passed away, your love has stayed the same, your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again, you cause your sun to shine on darkest will be our anthem song. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our, our hearts adore. The hopeless have found their hope. The orphans have Jesus, our affection. 
us pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We thank you for your son and for the life that he lived on this earth and his death on the cross. We thank you for this bread that you've given to us to represent his broken body. We pray that you'll be with us now as we take it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones of power or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Let us pray. Father, again, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you for his death on the cross and rising again. We pray that you'll be with us now as we take this cup that covers our blood, this blood that covers our sins. We pray that you'll be with us now as we take it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isn't it amazing how humble submissions sound so a lot like, Father God, I can't do this myself. I need Jesus and I need your spirit to be who you have created me to be. That's always his invitation, come to me. And that's always the response he's looking for. When we submit to the waters of baptism, we're submitting to the idea that I can't do it myself and I need you. We're putting him on in a way that is very much about humble submission to what he wants. When we come confessing, we are saying to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but even more to our Father and God, I can't do this without you. It's not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of trusting in him and knowing how much we want him to be part of our lives. I want to invite you to, in any way, to reach out to any of our elders, which if you're part of our church family, you can find on Instant Church Directory. You're welcome to reach out to a friend with those kind of confessional hearts. I need to incorporate God more fully into my life. Whatever it may be, I encourage you to respond. If you are someone who needs to find, a, uh, you, you are in need of saying, I need God more than, more than he's part of me, and I can't do it myself, and, and you would like to reach out to us in maybe a, a more confidential way, then feel free to text us your message, and we'll, we will most certainly return 
your message reach out to you. 979-217-3300. The number's right there on your screen. And I hope you'll take advantage of that. We're going to sing a song. I pray that you'll sing with this heart of, I need you, Father. On bidded knee, I come before you. But we also recognize that when we come in that humble, submissive fashion, he comes to sing and dance and rejoice in the joy of the Lord over us. On bended knee I come with a humble heart I come bowing down before your holy throne lifting holy hands to you as I morning. It's great to be here with, uh, with all of you in the presence of God and uh, lifting his name in praise and sharing in his love. Thank you for joining us. So uh, the lesson this morning put me in the uh, mind of my father. My, one of my father's favorite uh, hymns was, uh, Thou art the potter and I am the clay. And my father was a uh, was a pretty proud man and he was a pretty strong man and I think he took that song because he thought he needed the reminder to remain pliable in the hands of God and that his real purpose was not to be proud and strong for himself but to be an instrument that for God to use so thank you Alan for that lesson uh, the scripture that was beside my name and uh, the caring and sharing this morning was Romans 15 and 13, so I did want to read that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, just uh, one thought there, you know, the purpose of a potter when he takes up a piece of clay is to make something useful out of it. Uh, and God is a master potter, and he will take the clay of our hearts, and he will make something useful of that. He will make, uh, in my mind, the vision I have is some kind of vessel, a bowl or a pot. And then he doesn't leave that. It, the purpose is not to have a bowl or a pot to set on the shelf, but to use it. And the way he wants to use that is he wants to fill us. He wants to fill us to overflowing. And here in this scripture, he talks about with this joy and this peace. And then he'll fill us, and then it'll overflow, and then hopefully the overflow won't be wasted, but it'll flow into another pot that he has made, and it will fill that. And so that, that Holy Spirit will keep moving throughout the congregation of the believers and overflowing, and it'll be an ever-increasing supply of joy and peace. What, that's, that's the thought that I had when I read this scripture and combined that with the lesson this morning. So what's our part in that whole thing? Our part in this scripture, it says, uh, trust in him. So when we become a rock and become hard, that's because we don't really trust in God. We're afraid that God will make us into something that's not quite what we would rather have for ourselves. 
<laughs> we have to give that up. We, we can't be the deciders of whether I'm going to be a pot or a bowl or a vase. That's God's hands. Uh, that's going to make that decision. We have to give that up. If not, we're just, a, like Alan said, a piece of flint, and we'll just, when trouble besets us, can't nothing fill us up. We can just break off into little pieces. And uh, that's a lot of what we see in the world today because people will not put their trust in God. Uh, there was one announcement that didn't make the caring and sharing, so I wanted to read. Uh, Sean Stewart had a procedure for kidney stones on Tuesday the 14th and is home doing well. So I wanted to thank y'all again for, for tuning in. Uh, thank you for your continued uh, diligence in uh, remaining a part of the community. Uh, it's easy, it would be easy to get isolated in times like these. It, it takes a diligent effort to stay connected. Thank you for the way you support the church in prayer. Thank you for the way that you check on each other and lift each other up. Uh, thank you for the way you continue to financially support this church. Uh, there's still a, God's work despite the times, God's work is still going on, and, and is, God is still actively working in this world. Uh, if you would, join me in prayer. Father, we want to humble ourselves before you. We want to admit that uh, we've been proud and we've been trying to rely on our own strength. And Father, uh, uh, if that's in our life, then Father, we pray that you would break that, that you would, uh, that you would make us soft and pliable and make us into the clay that you can use, Father. Father, we want, to, uh, we want to be filled with your joy and your peace. And Father, we pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, that it would overflow and that it would, uh, that it would flow into all the others around us. In this congregation, Father, in this local community, Father, in this nation and in this world. Father, we want to lift up those uh, uh, in particular that have... Uh, health or other problems and uh, need your help, Father, to get through that. We want to lift up the Anderson family. We want to lift up Helen Cole and Bernice Skinner and Sandra Mullins and April Barton and Alan Lee and William Hickel, Sherman Estes, Sean Stewart. Father, for all of these, we pray for your comfort, for your strength, for your healing. Father, we know that life itself comes through you, and we ask that you would give life abundantly. Father, as uh, we continue to work through this COVID-19 uh, pandemic, Father, we ask that we ask for your presence with us. For those that we know that are directly affected, uh, Ron and Brian, the Fullers, the Elliots, uh, Patty Pan, Father, we pray we pray for health for them. We pray that you would protect protect their health. Uh, Father, for those that are working to actively as healthcare workers, we pray that you would that you would make their work effective and that you would protect them from this sickness. Father, we pray for the leadership of uh, the country, of the community, the health departments, the businesses that are making decisions. And Father, we pray that, uh, that a vision of how to deal effectively with this would uh, be instilled in people's, in those leaders' hearts. And Father, that they would see clear, more clearly what the best way to deal with this is, and they would be able to communicate that in a way that would uh, promote unity and would promote healing here in the community. Father, we want to uh, lift up and praise uh, Maria, the, the way you have healed Maria Vargas. Father, we want to uh, always pray for our community and for our country, Father. Uh, especially now, there seems to be uh, discord throughout 
Uh, we have elections coming, and there's competing visions for what is best for the country. Father, we have uh, uh, a pandemic that people seem willing to have uh, lots of ideas about what's being done wrong and not as many good ideas about what, what to do right. Uh, we, have, we have concerns about the way we've treated each other in the past and the way that has affected equality today and people have differing opinions on how to reconcile that. And Father, we just pray that you would, uh, that you would cut through all that and that you would uh, unify this country, that you would unify this community and that you would unify your church, Father. Father, we, our prayer is that we're going to, that we would place our trust in you, that you would fill us with that joy and that peace that you have promised. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you join us in song? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Oh, 